peace and blessings everyone. I'm your host Sean Crystal Parker and welcome to episode 23 of Real Shift Happens. This episode is all about the spirituality of cannabis. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss a thing. I go within walking in the fertile soil of my own being. There my ancestors' fossilized footprints lead the path to my destiny, embedded in my soul. I can feel the pain and the toil, the sorrow. I bear the weight on my shoulders, but also the joy, the laughter, the song. I hear my community deep within my spirit, quietly guiding my footsteps along the path. I go within. Thank you so much for joining me. So in this episode, we're going to deep dive into the connection between spirituality and cannabis and talk about how so many cultures in the past and even to this day have used cannabis in sacred religious ceremonies and also revere cannabis as the sacred divine feminine plant. Um, There's so much to learn about cannabis that we don't know because it's been demonized. So we're going to talk about that and so much more. But first, let's get into our five minute focus shift right now. Returning to the source is serenity. Begin the meditation. Sit comfortably in your chair. Close your eyes and relax. One of the best ways to train your brain to focus on the positive is through practicing the state of appreciation. Bring your awareness to your breath. Taking deep breaths in and relaxing as you breathe out. Breathing in slowly and breathing out slowly. We are now going to learn a good way to celebrate the gifts in our life. Continue to breathe slowly in and breathe slowly out. 
Remember a time when you felt really grateful for a special moment in your life. It could be with family, a loved one, friends, or in nature. Let your heart feel that feeling like the warmth of the sun is shining on it. Feel that warm sun moving from your heart to all over your body. Through your arms and your legs into your fingers and toes. Enjoy this feeling of being surrounded as though your entire body is being wrapped in a warm, cozy blanket. Continue to breathe in and out gently as you feel grateful and happy. Try to embrace this feeling for as long as possible. Now slowly, gently open your eyes and welcome back. Yes, and coming back very gently, bringing your awareness back to the room or wherever you are. Yes, take a moment to just um, center yourself back into the room. Yeah, and if possible, be sure you take that five minutes at least every day. If you can do 10, do 10, but take that five minutes and just Sit quietly with yourself, even if you're not listening to a guided meditation. Just try to find a space in your house or go in the car, go drive down the street and park um, wherever you can get this. Get it. 
especially now, especially now in the time that we're in, everyone is stressed. And even if you're not fully stressed, you have someone that you know that's stressed that's probably stressing you. (laughs) So like you may be feeling your friend's stress. You may be feeling the stress of the rest of the world, even if your uh, situation is fine. So we're all in a stressful situation regardless. So it's really important to take time to sit quietly with yourself every day um, and just go within, go inside yourself, get into that peaceful, peaceful, calm place. And that is your center and that place you can go to any, any time. And I can say from experience that meditating has made a major, major positive impact in my life through the good and bad. And I'm very serious about my meditation practice and that I don't miss um, a day and I do it twice a day. So I don't miss that two times a day for 20 minutes each time. And I was thinking about it and I, I don't think I've missed a day of meditating for at least the almost since I started back in 2012 but I know like in the first couple years I missed a couple of days just because I was um I don't know what the reasons were but I remember missing like three days maybe like each year in the first three years something like that I mean I've literally never have barely missed any days of meditating since I started in 2012. I can say that for sure for the past um, solid six years, I've not missed a day of meditating. And that for that's just because for me, I've created a um, um, habit. It's a habit for me. And I love going within myself like the feeling is not matchable to anything like you can't compare that feeling to anything in the world you can't compare the feeling of you inside of yourself when you really embody your body that feeling is incomparable to anything outside of your body so that is why Now, on to the topic at hand, the spirituality of cannabis and the connection uh, between spirituality and weed. It's super relevant now because the prohibition of marijuana is lifting in so many states. I live in California and it's been lifted here pretty much. Because there's been med- medical marijuana for a long time. Um, the the recreational ban has just been lifted like within the past, I don't know, year or so. Um, so for so many people, cannabis is a lifestyle. And whether it's um, recreational or for medical use, people have been 
using it for a very, very long time. And so it's likely that this uh, ban is going to be lifted federally soon. So that has huge, huge implications. Not, um, not so much about like just people getting high, but there's also the fact that hemp, uh, the leaf and the fiber that is created from hemp is a game changer. It's very strong material, um, way stronger than a lot of other materials and could literally wipe out whole industries that are currently thriving. Like say, for example, the paper industry, hemp can be, uh, paper can be made out of hemp. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting off subject. We're talking about spirituality and cannabis, right? There's one thing I do have to say here. This is not for the children. So we're speaking here to adults, for adults, and for adult use only in this talk. So if there's any kitties, they shouldn't be listening to this, but if they are, you should not be listening to this because this is for adults only. You must be of age 18 years and older I believe that's the age of consent at this time. So, so for this discussion, we are more specifically talking about cannabis as an entheogenic plant and also its relationship with spirituality in the past and in present times. And we'll also touch on the history and politics of cannabis, plus some major benefits and pitfalls of cannabis use during your spiritual awakening journey. So an entheogenic, an entheogenic plant, or just the word entheogen means, I'm going to go ahead and get the definition online for you. The definition is It's a psychoactive substance that induces alterations in perception, mood, consciousness, cognition, or behavior for the purpose of engendering spiritual development in sacred contexts. The religious, shamanic, or spiritual significance of Enthogens is well established in anthropological and modern contexts. Enthogens have traditionally been used to supplement many diverse practices geared towards achieving transcendence, including divination, meditation, yoga, sensory deprivation, asceticism, prayer, trance, rituals, chanting, hymns, drumming, and ecstatic dance. So there, um, just in the definition, it tells you that um, the, the substance is used in a spiritual context. So we can definitely place cannabis in this context because we know 
that many shamans and um, spiritual people of the past have used cannabis in sacred ceremonies. And most people don't connect spirituality with cannabis, right? Because we all know cannabis as like this stoner, get high recreational drug that kids do in college, right? But we're finding more and more now, of course, the breadth of cannabis and how widespread the use is. And more and more people have reported, you know, cures and relief from various ailments, which is basically just causing the stigma to begin to lift. And as prohibition is beginning to lift around the U.S., I just think it's really important to openly discuss the history of how the prohibition came to be and the implications it's had on our society. Because cannabis is actually an ancient plant that has been used as a sacrament for centuries. So it was not always illegal and demonized. And in fact, it's been a mainstay in human history since probably the beginning of the creation of Earth. But by the 1930s, there were smear campaigns and propaganda against marijuana. And this pre- prompted uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt to make marijuana illegal by signing into law the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. This started a more public government regulation over cannabis and its use by U.S. citizens. So there was definitely a campaign to cut cannabis out of the game. And during this time, recreational use was on the rise and industrial hemp was beginning to bloom. And since the hemp fiber can be used to make just about anything, many high-ranking businessmen were said to have interest in seeing cannabis as a whole regulated to protect their businesses. So cannabis was already geared up to kind of put other industries and businesses out of business. And that had to be stopped. And they saw that in the 30s. They saw this happening in the 30s. So the takedown by both political and financial motivation produced racist, fear-mongering campaigns about how Mexican and black men would rape white women while high on marijuana just to scare the public into going along with the tax acts. So that's how they were able to pass those laws. Fear, once again, fear. If you you put fear and doubt into people, you definitely can control them, right? So it's to me like there's two implications though. The first obviously is greed. Hemp is one of the strongest natural fibers on the planet, as I mentioned, and it has more use and it's it's more 
efficient. It ha- it's more um, the efficacy of the plant and the fiber is just better, just all around better. And we're not talking about anything about the THC and being high. We're talking about the plant, the fibers and what they can do. And during that time in the 30s, Andrew Mellon, um, William Randolph Hearst, and the DuPont family, probably even more than that, but just those to name a few, um, they're the ones who have said, are said to have feared that competition from the hemp industry. So they had to take it out. They had to take it out and they started a campaign to do so and used racism and fear to get people to go along with it. So these tactics were way back then in the 30s and continue to this day. Secondly, the government feared the rise of recreational use from the people also. But why? Why did they fear people using marijuana too much? It wasn't really because of the Mexican and black men raping and running around rampant with white white women. That wasn't really the main issue. Anyone who has tried marijuana at any point in their life can attest to the fact that it does not make you aggressive, period. So we know that that's a lie. There was no um, rampant cases of, of white women being raped by black men and Mexican men that were high on weed. Like that's just false. But in fact, marijuana does have more of an opposite effect as it generally gives most people a soothing, calming feeling. And, you know, yeah, some people do have a little paranoia, but aggression, hmm, I don't think so. That's not a symptom, a sign, or or any um, side effect of marijuana, marijuana use. So that's why I kind of wanted to go deeper here. The question is, why would our governments place bans and regulations on a plant with the history of only aiding humans in a positive way on every level? Why would marijuana be categorized in with other drugs that are like heroin or um, schedule one drugs? It makes no sense, right? When marijuana is a plant, a plant that's been here since the beginning of time. Well, in her book, The Yoga of Marijuana, which is a great book, I definitely recommend it. The author, Joan Bellow, speaks to that point. And she says, quote, psychologically speaking, marijuana fosters the higher emotions of caring, sharing, and tolerance. There is less emphasis placed on personal acquisition and achievement and more on inner understanding and righteousness. 
Competition is eased out and recognized as an inhumane ethic, especially in these dire times when the need for compassion is so obvious. End quote. She also adds, quote, but the materialistic ethic runs on a separatist mentality and is weakened by anything that encourages cooperating rather than competing, end quote. Ooh, that's deep, right? The connection goes much deeper than the control and regulation of a substance. That's just the surface of it. On the surface, we can say, yeah, drugs are bad. Get rid of them, right? But when you actually do a little research as to why they push the drugs are bad agenda, we can see that it's not about public protection at all. And that whole guise of public protection, like, ugh, that's such a freaking false flag. Like, I honestly believe that anytime the government or powers that be, however you want to call it, say, we're trying to protect the public, you should know that it's the opposite. Because when, when, okay? Just when. So, when you actually do the research and you see that it's not about the public protection, right? Because also they're creating synthetic versions of the natural healing plants via big pharma. And they push that to the public. So, so the synthetic version is better. So the synthetic version is going to heal me. So I need the synthetic version of a natural healing plant? Hmm. And now I have to buy it from you? I don't think so. To me, it's warfare. It's a part of the spiritual warfare that's going on on this earth plane. The war on drugs is really a cover for the war against our spirits and against higher consciousness. And the prohibition on cannabis is a microcosm of the suppression of the divine feminine as a whole. Cannabis is a divine feminine sacred plant that is being suppressed. It's, it's, it's coming out now, yes, but it's been since the 30s, since the 30s. It's, it's obvious it's an obvious consorted effort to me to keep the collective consciousness vibrating once again at lower frequencies. And it's all about fear and control. And the majority of people buy into this because they believe what they're told. Once again, we are bamboozled. We're bamboozled. We have a natural occurring plant that helps people raise their consciousness. It's not for abuse. It's not for um, for children. Um, but it's a tool. It's a tool there for us to use. 
right? And in truth, many cultures, past and present, have used cannabis as a sacred, divine, feminine plant. And sages have used the plant in sacred ceremonies and rituals. So it's not, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. What's new probably is the abuse of cannabis, the way that it's used recreational when it was always used in a sacred setting. Um, So the book, Cannabis and Spirituality, Reclaiming an Ancient Wisdom Ally for the Generations to Come by Stephen Gray is a great read that breaks down the history of marijuana as an entheogen in many, many religions, such as Taoism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Sikhism, Zoroastrianism, Rastafarians, and many indigenous tribes of Africa and America, and so many more. So this is um, all the major religions. All the major religions have at some point used cannabis as a, a sacred, sacred plant. And we're not talking about like, oh, you go to your local church and they're smoking weed. No, we're talking about the wise men and women who have used cannabis in sacred ceremonies and rituals and as a sacrament. So according to the Yoga Sutras of Pantanjali, there are five paths to self-realization. They are meditation, oshadi, mantra, sacrifice, and birth. Oshadi is the lesser known path of herbs, plants, and elixirs. The interpretations have thought to be plant medicines such as ayahuasca and cannabis. So even in yoga tradition, uh, it talks about these um, indigens and sacred plants to help in the path of your spiritual journey. So herbal and plant medicine healing has been a long-standing practice in the ancient world, and it's slowly reemerging in our world now. And that's why you see so much talk of um, ayahuasca ceremonies, people going, you know, to South America to have have a ceremony with a shaman and things of that nature. And there's an awesome excerpt from the book, um, The Yoga of Marijuana. And this really breaks it down. And the author says, quote, plants transmit the vital emotional impulses, the life force that is hidden in light. That is the gift, the grace, the power of plants. Plants bring the nourishing power of the sun. Plants exist to transmute light into life. Humans humans exist to transmute life into consciousness. Plants transmute light into life through photosynthesis. Humans transmute life into consciousness 
through perception, end quote. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about consciousness and the awakening of higher levels of consciousness. The ancients and mystical sages in the past knew that cannabis helps awaken consciousness. And let's just say that the powers that be know this too. And this is why all of the knowledge was hidden and hoarded from everyone except those deemed adepts in secret societies because they don't want your consciousness level to be awakened and uh, rise. They don't want your consciousness to rise to levels that you would actually be awake to know what's going on, like everything that's going on, you know? So I wanted to talk about this uh, topic because my first spiritual awakening began when I was smoking weed and, um, you know, that's the word high, higher, higher consciousness, right? Uh, I was spontaneously tapping into my own higher consciousness and I didn't realize it. So, um, it, you know, it took me a minute to, to actually decide to talk about this when it comes to like weed, because people have whatever about, you know, what they perceive as drugs and bad. Uh, but you know what? I don't, I don't really give a damn anymore. Like this is my truth. This is my life. And this is my experience. And I talk about it more in episode two, the great awakening. So if you have a chance, definitely check that out. I talk about my whole awakening experience, what I went through, um, And yeah, I honestly feel like a lot of what I did go through was to prepare me for now, for this moment, for, for this moment in time. And honestly, I had no clue all of these years. I had no clue until now, until now. Um, so my, I know that my higher self has been leaving me breadcrumbs along the way and everyone's higher self pretty much leaves them breadcrumbs along the way. It's just that you don't realize it. And when you start to realize it, you um, recognize the breadcrumbs more and more. And then you catch up almost to your future self. It's like catching up to your future self and being able to conversate and um, get, you know, information and wisdom and knowledge from your future self. (laughs) It sounds, sounds way out, but it's real. And the more you go within yourself, the more you catch up to your future self and the more that you uh, recognize the breadcrumbs along the way that your future self has left for you. And that's, that's a powerful thing. Trust me. And, you know, I'm not alone in this, you know, I, I'm not the only one, of course, having 
that's had an awakening. Lots of people are going through this awakening now. Um, the process is speeding up. There's been a quickening. Even when I went through it years ago, uh, they were talking about a quickening that people would start to begin to go through this awakening process. More people at a um, more of a higher rate, I guess. More people faster. So as the years go by, more and more people will become more awake. Right? So besides the obvious growing recreational use among people from all walks of life, um, marijuana was actually prescribed by doctors up until the 20th century when all of the tomfoolery started taking it over, all of the campaigns to ban it uh, because of the other industries that were going to be affected. It's also um, was used for therapy sessions. So there's, um, I don't think, I don't know if they do it now. Sure they don't. But back in the day, it seems like they used anything for therapy sessions. (laughs) I don't know. It's still to this day used for spiritual ceremonies as a sacrament. And there's also a brand name, Ganja Yoga, uh, which has yoga classes. And these are certified yoga teachers. And um, they offer classes with marijuana in states where it's legal. And actually, I have a ganja certified yoga instructor that I recently met who I will be interviewing soon. So definitely stay tuned for that episode because it is coming soon. And it's very, it's going to be very interesting. So um, here's the science though. Here's the science. This is, this is crazy. In 1992, scientists discovered the endocannabinoid system, the ECS system in the body or ECS endocannabinoid system. Yes. 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 What does it sound like? Endocanna. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't really break down exactly how it works. You can definitely look it up. And there's lots of videos on YouTube that really break down the science. But what I'm going to tell you in layman terms is um, that the this system, the ECS system, keeps I keep saying ECS system, but it's endocannabinoid system. So it's just ECS. Um, It keeps your body in balance. So definitely do a quick search on YouTube and you'll find um, some quick breakdowns, some long breakdowns. And they talk about the receptors and molecules that exist in our ECS naturally in the body and how they bind with THC 
and other cannabinoids found in cannabis and the um, connecting and recepting of these molecules bring your body to a homeostasis state. Basically, too, they've known this for years, right? Since the 90s, since the early 90s, that uh, the ECS is the major system that controls all of the systems in the body, the circulatory, the pulmonary, skeletal, uh, muscular, the nervous system. It's literally driving the bus. It's the leader of the squad, yet it's not even something that's taught in traditional medical schools. Yes, it's true. They're not teaching uh, about the endocannabinoid system in traditional medical school. So there's a system in our bodies, the endocannabinoid system that maintains, regulates, and controls all the major symptom or systems of our bodies, yet it's not taught in traditional medical, Western medical schools. What? What? Huh? Hmm. Hmm. Let me say it again for the people in the back. The ECS, the main system in our body that controls all of the other five major systems of the body is not being taught in medical school. Why? Why? Is it greed? Is it political self-interest? When money and power take precedence over human lives, could that be it? Hmm. What? What? The problem with marijuana for those powerful businessmen who have continually suppressed the people's plant is that since it's a living plant, it can't be patented. It can't be patented. You can't patent something that's living. But they can do shelf the plant, shelf the natural plant, and then duplicate its properties to create synthetic prescription drugs, and voila, you have a patent. Now you own the rights to that drug and that synthetic creation. Oh man, and we haven't even touched on the criminalization part of this. That's a whole other discussion. Man, it's a dirty game. And there's so many levels to this, right? There's people of color, black men, um, specifically, who are doing multiple years in prison for, for marijuana. At the same time, there are people who are making multi-millions of dollars selling marijuana legally at the same time right now. It's a dirty, dirty game, man. It is a dirty game. But, um, you know, 
I'm not saying that it's, it's, you know, harmful. All prescription drugs are harmful, that they don't save lives and that the synthetic versions of these things don't, you know, help in some cases, I guess they do. Um, but we also have to look at the big, bigger picture and the root causes of dis-ease and how it ties into self-care. Where's the preventative care? Where's the preventative care if you care so much, right? I don't know. There's just something like inherently wrong with the medical system that steals it from and then demonizes holistic approaches to healing that have been in place for centuries. Um, hmm, that's questionable. Um, another quote, a really, really good quote from her book, um, the benefits of marijuana, physical, psychological, and spiritual. Joan Bellow says in holistic medicine, symptoms are not denied, repressed, drugged, or ignored. So you know, if, if, if it's on a holistic basis, then we're looking at the big picture, the bigger picture and the root causes of the disease. And we're not just like patching it up with a bandaid or just throwing some drugs at the problem and saying, you know, this will help ease whatever the problem is you have. So you know, I live in the U.S. and there's, there's, you know, cities in certain states that are known to be more health conscious places. But in general, I don't think the U.S. is known for its citizens' health and self-care routines because it's all about money here. Self-care sounds too much like slowing down to the average person who doesn't have time you know, to be thinking about things like this. And I don't know, collectively, it could be why we're slowing down now. I mean, there's so many levels to everything. There's so many levels. So, you know, for some people, a little marijuana is not a bad thing. It's not addictive. It will help lower your stress and balance your body which is why the CBD craze is in full effect right now. And that is just one cannabinoid in the plant. There are hundreds more that are proven to have health benefits. It's helping people with epilepsy, Parkinson's, cancer, IBS, depression, and so much more. Um, You know, it's not a cure-all. It's not a cure-all, not saying that it is. Um, especially if you continue with an unhealthy lifestyle. There's no cure-all to an unhealthy lifestyle. The ECS responds well with a healthy lifestyle, with eating right, exercise, getting sleep, yoga, meditation, and all the shit that people don't want to hear because they don't want to do it. 
you know, you know, you have to know that if you're not taking care of yourself, the plant is not going to take care of you either. And another thing I wanted to point out is that marijuana is not for everyone. Some people have extreme paranoia or they just feel uncomfortable and don't like the feeling. Again, though, Joan Bello breaks it down in her books. She's actually an expert on marijuana and she's been doing research on spirituality and marijuana for 30 years. So definitely look her up, Joan Bello. She's on the internets and um, she has a couple of books that she's written. Um, she has a master's in Eastern studies and psychology and has a clinical and has clinical experience as a drug abuse counselor. She's actually been writing about uh, marijuana since the 60s. So she's definitely an expert. And she talks about who marijuana is not recommended for. Number one, for those disinterested disinterested and or overly dismayed by personal self-centered motives beneath the surface and the fear that drives those motives, greater awareness of unconscious issues cannot be integrated. Number two, for those well defended in their fears without yearning for states of being beyond the mundane Marijuana therapy will not awaken the spiritual realm. The physical physical and psychological release that usually accompanies marijuana may prove disorienting. Without appreciable health advantages, since the person will actually ward off the liberating and unfamiliar and therefore dangerous aspects of marijuana. For this character types, marijuana is frightening in the intense of its clarity. Hmm. Number three, for those who are propagandized by the misinformation concerning marijuana therapy and feel secure in their ignorance, there's little hope to plumb the depths of their prejudice. They too will not be able to receive the energetic charge of marijuana for a first hint of deep breathing and therefore a reality check, the body and mind will contract rather than allow for expansion. That pretty much says it all. Everyone is not ready for the plant and some should not even attempt it. But for those who are open-minded and willing to see past societal stigmas, you might actually get some relief and benefits from marijuana. Not for the kids, though. Not for the kids. And like with anything, before you try it, you'll want to do your own research and take it slow. This is not something you jump into and think you'll be cured of all of your ailments, though it can really help, especially pain and sleep. But do your research. Don't let Other people tell you what is right for your spirit, mind, and body. And if you live in a state where it's illegal, I'm sorry, 
but I'm not sure what you can do except maybe vote to have the laws passed to legalize medicinal marijuana. And honestly, this is really just a snippet of what is happening with this plant. It goes so deep. It goes super deep. Um, So guys, definitely do a little research. Check out uh, Joan Bellow. Her books are super amazing, fascinating reads. They will definitely open your eyes to uh, the layers behind what's going on with marijuana and why it's been illegal for all of this time. And, um, you know, even maybe give you some insight as to why this plan is now, why the, the ban or the lift um, is taking place. We're coming into a new age. We're coming into a new time. So it's time for all the truth to be let, uh, put out there, which it already is all over the internet. But it's time for everyone to awaken to the truth. It's time to wake up. And on that note, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. So until next time, what do we do? We have to do the inner work and create a shift in our own consciousness. And this will create a shift in the collective consciousness. That is the goal. So don't forget, you guys, support the podcast at anchor.fm slash Real Shift Happens and subscribe to Real Shift Happens Wellness Podcasts on any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also drop us a line uh, at anchor.fm slash real shift happens, or you can go to real shift happens dot live, check out the website, sign up for the book club. Um, this month for April, we're going to have a super fascinating book at the end of the month. And it's called Strength in Stillness by Bob Roth. So you can pick that book up at um, any, you know, well, I guess Amazon right now because you can't go to the bookstore. But you can also get the Audible uh, audiobook on that. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash happens, you'll actually get two free audio book downloads and your first 30 days for free. So you can get um, the book for April, which is Strength and Inner uh, Strength and Stillness by Bob Roth. Or you can get uh, last month's book, which is super bomb called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Or you can just find a book that you want to buy or get whatever. However you want it, want to do it, the Audible trial is there for you. So definitely check that out. And until next episode, Real Shifters, go within and make Real Shift happen. Peace. Peace.